Beer Mile Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Beer Mile Podcast. Today we have Mr. Willie Fink on the show. He's a professional runner for Under Armour and District Track Club, as well as you could maybe say a beer connoisseur, but not really a beer connoisseur, more like an academic. Uh, Beer academic is a good, that's a good qualifier for Willie. It is. So we actually go more in depth today, I think, than any other episode, wouldn't you say, on the beer side of things? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Adam and I get a little educated. We get learned a little bit on today's episode. And we talk a little bit of running too. But Willie Fink, I think the most exciting thing that came out of today is that Willie Fink, he is a very high likelihood of being on the USA Beer Mile team. Yeah, Willie is just an exciting person all around. He's got... Um, you know, the hype stories uh, coming into, I mean, obviously he made the Olympic trial is you've got him pacing the second fastest uh, American time in the 5k and finishing that race. I fucking love it when pacers finish the race. I think that's a ballsy move. I respect it. You've also got the X factor of Willie doing his um, master's degree with like a, a focus. His thesis was being, it was on, um, I mean, you'll, actually, you know what? His thesis was beer related, but you'll, you'll learn about it more within the episode itself. Uh, Cause I don't want to dive too deep into that, but I, I would agree that we go way deeper into the beer conversation than we ever have in a beer mile podcast episode. Look at Adam learning how to structure a content delivery. It yeah, only took 45 episodes. He, he learned how to structure it to get someone to actually want to listen on. A little bit of a cliffhanger. Look at that. Adam, you, coming through here. You call it a cliffhanger. I call it clickbait. By the end of the day, by the episode 45, I'm a master clickbaiter. Well, what else... What else can we bait our listeners into doing today? Maybe we can bait them into a very special, not a very special guest, a very special offering that we have for them through our good old pals over there at Manscaped. They will absolutely take care of your balls, take care of your family jewels. They got all the products to do it. The Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, the Performance Briefs. We've talked about these a lot on the podcast so far, and we have an exclusive discount, Beer Mile all one word uppercase for 20% off and free shipping. But let's, let's talk about it one more time, Adam of all the products so far. What's your favorite? Okay. I mean, I think the X factor for, we do X factors on beer reviews, but for the lawnmower 4.0 X factor is ladies and gentlemen, it does not stop at your pubic hair or even your chest hair. You can bring it all the way to your leg hair. We, I mean, obviously our audience is very heavy into running. We also have some swimmers and cyclists. Get that aerodynamic advantage. Shave your legs, start with a lawnmower 4.0 and finish off with a, a nice razor finish if you do desire. It's so light too, light wireless charging, waterproof. You can carry it with you. It even has, okay, this is like the most random thing that I like about it, but I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's one of those things where I feel like it's only me, but maybe other people feel this way too. But my other razor that I have for my face that I carry with me, it will often turn on in my bag while traveling. But the yeah. lawnmower, the lawnmower 4.0 actually has a, where if you press the button, I believe it's three times, 
you lock it so it's in travel mode so that it won't turn yeah. on in your bag. I've had so many times where I've gotten somewhere and I didn't bring the charger with me and the thing was running in my bag the whole time so it's completely dead. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to buy one of the crappy $1 razors from the store. Yeah, or, or you're going through like TSA and you're like, like it starts vibrating. You're like, oh, I, I promise it's not a vibrator. Like it's just my, <laughs> it's my, it's not a butt plug or anything like that. You know, it's, it's for my face. But yes, yeah, Mr. It, TSA. Yes, Mr. TSA guy. There is cocaine in my bag, but no, it's not mine. I don't know how it got there. I promise it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding. I'm holding the lawnmower 4.0 for a friend. <laughs> All right. So there you have it, and there you have it. The manscaped. <laughs> it. Make sure you take advantage. This this uh, deal. This is it, y'all. Um, in the next couple of days, this deal may expire. So make sure you get it now. And if you call within the next 10 minutes, I'll also throw No, I'm just kidding. If you use this code within the next day or two uh, from this podcast airing, let's say by August 7th, use this code by August 7th to make sure that you get 20% off and free shipping. The code is beer mile, all uppercase, no spaces. I don't think the code's living on after that. Exclusive deals only can come around so often. Uh, we don't want to completely bankrupt Manscaped. You know, they got to make profit for Mr. Cuban and and all of their other investors. So this is it. They're, we're bleeding them dry on the profit margins and the beer mile discount is going to expire on August 7th. So make sure you take advantage right now. Do we do a discount code for people who screenshot us? Um, their Manscaped usage of our code and we're like, oh, you get... Also, you get 20% off beermile.com merch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if someone uses okay. our code on manscaped.com, here, I'll, I'll say this right now. If you yeah, use our that. code on manscaped, use beermile on manscaped.com, screenshot your proof of purchase, and I'll send you a free shirt, a free shirt, not a, not a discounted shirt, a free shirt from the beermile.com swag store. So Damn, Mr. Chris, feeling, feeling hella generous. Let's hey, get in I, on this I care about. Well, this is going to come out very weird, but I care about our listeners' balls. You know, I want to make sure that they're taken care of. I care about our listeners' legs. I care about their performance, both, you know, in that special room in the house, as well as out there on the track with the aerodynamic, just like you said. So I care about our listeners in every which way. I wish there was a mirror behind you so that I could see Jax's response to all of this. She she is looking at me right now from the kitchen cooking, and she's actually licking a knife believe it or not licking the batter from some pancakes off of a knife that's dude licking knives that's pretty hot um <laughs> speaking of which chris has got a spicy night in front of him you know he's shaving down under <laughs> making sure he's has a nice clean experience later this arvo later this arvo <laughs> Dude, I fucking heard, I fucking heard the Australian announcer say the word Arvo um, for the Olympics, that is. And I'm I'm watching this, uh, I'm watching the race with like all of my family around me. And when she says the word Arvo, I'm fucking dying. And everyone's just like, oh, is it, is it the funny Australian lady? I'm like, no, nah, like only like one, like only my brother listens to the podcast. So like, he's the only one who gets it. Um, but God damn, what a, what a special word, Arvo. Great word. Great to learn the, the local slang and the local linguistics from each of our guests. Last thing that we want to say here right before we dive into Willie Fink is that we had some people reach out after the last episode about, you know, beer coin, beer coin going to the moon. 
wanting to get in on the future of cryptocurrency, you know, being right alongside our other big backers like Elon Musk, like Mr. Wonderful, uh, like Damon John, you know, all these all these guys that are uh, Damon John. Is that did I just say that's name wrong? That sounds one wrong them, for some reason. Uh, one of their names is Damon, but I don't know about the last name. Damon John. Wow. Did I just, oh no, that is right. I don't know That's why right. that sounded okay. wrong in my head. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you want to get alongside these other investors in BeerCoin and in BeerMile.com and in BeerMile Media LLC, all you have to do to get in on the alpha testing, the beta testing, whenever we release that. Oh, it's uh, beta testing. We don't do alpha testing because no alphas. Westfly. Okay. Beta testing only. Betas uh, only. Make sure you, all you have to do is create an account on BeerMile.com. When you do that, We'll have your email address. We'll email you when it's ready. Uh, we won't email you until that because we don't spam you. Uh, we don't, you know, we're not little bitches like that. So that's it. I think that's it. Adam, tell me if that's it. You're the big software guy. You're the big Kubernetes guy. Yeah. Tell me if that's it. That, yeah, that is that is it because um, we do have some extra space. We actually probably ran out this weekend, um, but I've been talking to <laughs> been talking to the Strava developers. So if, if one of you listeners is on the development team or partnership team, hit me up. Um, But we do have some extra space. So the next probably like 25 people that come in will probably make it. And then we'll email the rest of y'all's when it's, when we actually have to pay for hitting their API. Perfect, we're excited to have you all be a part of it. Excited for BeerCoin to be launched. It's, I don't know. I don't know if we wanna give a timeline on it, but just put your email in the damn thing and we'll let you know when it's ready. And have have some patience with us yeah it's not every day you get to buy it's not every day you get to buy a crypto like imagine if bitcoin was launching tomorrow or like at some point in the future would you really would you really bother uh satoshi nakamura to like is that his last name satoshi nakamoto nakamoto Nakamoto. would you really bother that guy be like hey bro when's your white paper coming out like it's gonna be worth 30k one day so like just chill you know you can't rush a good thing Or harass me on Instagram. I mean, that'd be kind of funny. That works too. Keep putting the pressure on a little bit. DM him over and over again. I mean, it definitely is motivating, I think. That's true. The more interest that people have, the more uh, reach outs that we get, the more hype and backing that people give us. It does make us more motivated to uh, spend more time on it. So prioritize it versus everything else. Yeah, I'm not going to stay up till like midnight and work on it if... uh, if there's only like the however many people, I think we said like 30 people at first that get it. Um, but if there's only that, then like I'll stay up till 11. But if there's a hundred more people that want it, I'll stay up till midnight. Then we'll have a million people. We'll be breaking the servers, baby. <laughs> and then I'll be up 24 hours a day, purely fueled on uh, beer coin and Olympic uh, 5Ks, 1500s, and whatever else. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough babbling for this intro here. Let's get into this interview with Willie Fink and stick around to after the interview. We got some beers to review. Maybe we'll, I don't know, maybe we'll touch on the Olympics so far as well. What's the, um, what's like the Midwest term for banter? Like we can't say banter. That's, that's too like Britain. That's too sit and kick for us. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of sin kick, Josh Kerr didn't even get an auto qualifier in the 1500 okay, round he, one. He got a little Q, but I heard he's got a big D. <laughs> Our guy, Josh Kerr, baby. <laughs> so stick around for the post-interview, not banter, Midwest nice, but 
try not yammering? to be nice. Yammering. Do people yeah, yammer in yammer. the Midwest? Let's go with that. Here's Willie Fink. Welcome to the Beer Mile Podcast, Willie Fink. Thanks for joining us today. And we've been looking forward to this one. One, you're, you know, a great runner, but also we've exchanged some messages here back and forth uh, on about beer as well. And so I think a lot of our listeners, they're definitely a lot of avid runners out there, but we also have a lot of listeners who are avid beer drinkers. And often we kind of neglect that piece of it a little bit on the podcast. We have all these awesome runners on and we always talk about running, even though we're not a running podcast. And you know, I don't know. I think talking about beer once in a while is also uh, what the people want. So Willie Fink, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about some beer too. Yeah, right off the bat, here's yeah, here's a question. So you you are a listener of the podcast. How would you rate our beer reviews? You guys are pretty in-depth. Uh, like all the different categories you usually go out over are uh, pretty good. So if I had to rate you out of 10, maybe like an eight or a nine, like pretty good. I, I'd take that. Yeah. I would take that as well. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, going into every single beer review, I have no idea what's, what we're going to say, what we're going to evaluate it on. So coming from someone who probably is a lot more knowledgeable about uh, beer and how it's made and everything like that, everything that t- goes into the flavor of it, uh, that, that's a big compliment. We really appreciate that. Another beer related question I have that I think I've been too hesitant to ask as, you know, like the local beer expert on the podcast is are IBUs related to hoppiness? Cause I feel like that's just something like a random dad told me. I was like, yeah, sure. Like IBUs are hoppiness. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so IBUs are, are just a, a measurement of bitterness and hops are bitter. So not directly, uh, but yes, they, it, in, in like IPAs and stuff like that, it's pretty much exactly what it means, but there can be like stouts that aren't hoppy at all, but have a pretty high IBU because, uh, just like they go bitter a different way. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's up the, up the technicality a little bit here then. So something else that Adam and I have talked about in the past is, we neither of us are like massive IPA fans. I per, I prefer American parallels, but I'll drink like two IPAs a night. Well, yeah, we'll we'll drink anything, of course. But why do I like double IPAs and triple IPAs better than IPAs, even though the IBUs are higher? Why? Like, is there a reason behind this? Because I love a, a, a nice bottle of, of a triple IPA, but I don't necessarily love your, you know, your standard off the shelf IPA. I mean, a good part of it is just kind of personal preference. <laughs> um, but so I, I don't know if there's like an actual answer, but basically what, even with double IPAs, imperial IPAs, all that sort of stuff, um, since they're so high alcohol, the, the bitterness, like the high IBU and the high ABVs kind of cancel each other out. Um, cause if you had like, I'm just going to make up some numbers here, but if you had, uh, like a, a normal ABV in a beer, like 5% or whatever with a super, super high IBU, it would be like unpalatably bitter. But when you increase the amount of alcohol, 
it just kind of cancels out and you can afford to have some more IBUs uh, and kind of mask the flavor a little bit with the the taste of the alcohol, essentially. So is that why um, like traditionally IPAs are higher ABV or is that just like an output of the brewing process? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, pretty much the more the first though. Um, okay. Man, I'm getting so, learned so hard right now. This is amazing. This is, this is what we've been waiting for for 45 episodes. Is this right here? <laughs> I, and I would, I, yeah, I, I was always curious, like, why, why do I like the low IBU beers? And then why am I somehow okay with the super high IBU beers? But basically everything in the middle of the bell curve, I'm like, no, keep that away from me. Keep the pale ales away. Keep the IPAs away. So usually the dippas are like 8% that we've drank in the past. Oh yeah. And that one, uh, triple, that one triple that we like, I think I, I bought it with you before the Oligash white or not Oligash white, uh, just the Oligash triple IPA that they sell in the bottles. Pretty sure that's like 10%, 9%. Don't quote me on it. It's somewhere up there, but tastes amazing. Could drink that all day (laughs) for whatever reason. Yeah. So it sounds like you just don't like the flavor of hops, but yeah, when when the ABV is high, it kind of masks that flavor so you can get away with it. Do you think that is like a comment on Chris's fragile masculinity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I now I feel I, okay, I'm I'm happy that I have an answer that it's it's just that I don't like hops, but I also exactly like you're saying Adam, now I just feel I feel like not a true beer lover. If I don't like the hops, then what am I? Who am I? I'm not even a beer guy. Yeah. You're like, Oh man, go drink Smirnoff ice or something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot that goes into beer other than hops. So you're good. So what makes, um, what makes like a sour, a sour, is that part of the brewing process or does that have to do with IBUs versus ABVs? Yeah. So sours are, it's a different type of bacteria. Um, that's used to like ferment it. Um, so like it's a, it's just a different type of yeast. Um, and actually, so when, a uh, when you use brewing equipment for a sour, the, all of the brewing equipment gets like coated in that bacteria. So if you try to make like a, a pale ale or a stout or a porter or something on equipment, you've made a sour on, it'll be awful. So, so is, is that just like one and done or can you wash it and it'll be okay? You can, you can reuse it for more sours, mm-hmm. but you just, it just doesn't work well for mixing types of beer. Um, all the, like most of the other types, if you make a stout, you can make an IPA after it, you can make a Pilsner, you can do all that stuff. It's just that since the bacteria that is used in sours is so like strong and aggressive, um, it just sticks around for a long time and doesn't really work for other stuff. That's why you'll see some breweries that like specialize in sours because they just use the same equipment. I I went to a a brewery that like only had sours and it was the saddest experience (laughs) I've ever had. Yeah. It's all yeast. Um, It's just different strains. I I, that's getting a little too into the microbiology of it for me. I'm not hundred percent sure. That's okay. I failed microbiology. (laughs) (laughs) So if you had to rank your, top beers your top types of beer that you enjoy yeah what's that list look like for you what is your mount rushmore of beer types Ooh, good question um mount rushmore is four right yeah let's go four american history (laughs) (laughs) not my specialty at all 
Um, let's see. So just, are you talking like specific beers or just like let's do, type of, of, let's do types of beers and then specific beers. Ooh. Okay. This is getting, I made this harder on myself. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So types, I definitely like, I like IPAs. Um, so that's one stouts, probably my second favorite Pilsner would be my third. Um, I don't, I don't, I guess fourth would be sours. Um, you're like a, you're like a true beer guy. Stouts are on my list are like at the bottom. No. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're, they can definitely like some, some breweries get a little like heavy handed with them. Um, especially when there's like, like cocoa nibs involved, they just like throw shit loads in it. And it's, it's a little much, um, and like some of them that are like, like milk stouts, I'm not a huge fan of those with all that. So they use like lactose sugar instead of like a, a traditional sugar. Um, and yeah, I don't, it, I don't really like those. Um, so I don't, don't blame you there, but Guinness, do you like Guinness? It's been a while since I've had one. I honestly think the last time I had one was like maybe when I was 20 <laughs> and hadn't quite, I was like beer is for drinking fast and like when I'm golfing. Okay. Um, so I haven't, I haven't had the chance as, as an adult to enjoy a Guinness, but I don't know. I, I feel like I've been given good stouts before. I think there was actually either one episode I got a lot of shit for, it might've been a Porter that I drank, but I was like, I don't like these at all. And it was like, if you go on untapped, it was like the highest rate, like top 10 or something like that. And people are like, you have bad taste. Wow. So that might be the, that might be the case. Yeah. Not everybody is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So yeah. So those are my four types. Um, and then, so beers, I've, I've gone through a lot of phases with like, liking different beers. Like in college, I drank PBR way too much and just like went really hard on it, especially before long runs. <laughs> um, and then the night before long runs, that is. Uh, and then I, I also got really into stouts for a while, like after that. And then I've kind of gone into IPAs, um, more recently. So my favorite beer right now is probably uh, Founders All Day IPA. It's a uh, like it's a session IPA. Have you guys have you had that? Yep. yep. Yeah, that one's a good one. Um, it's it's not super super hoppy and it's low ABV, so you can have a couple and not be trashed immediately. Um, next would probably be Guinness. Just it's like the classic stout, super smooth mouthfeel. Um, I really like that one. Uh, and then got to shout out PBR because it's by far, if you like ranked the amount of beer I've drank based on like each beer, PBR is way above everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then pick a fourth one. Let's see. I might just go with the... Uh, Edmunds Fitzgerald Porter uh, from, no, oh, no, I'm blanking on the name. It's a local, like it's a Midwest brewing company um, from Ohio. Uh, Edmund Fitzgerald is like a 
a ship that went down or something. Um, but it's a really good beer too. So really like that one. Yeah, you have way awesome. better taste and range than Adam and I do. Yeah. Like the the fact that your your palate likes that range of things where yeah, I don't know. Adam and I probably aren't quite that sophisticated, you could probably you could say. And and I've had Guinness <laughs> I've had Guinness at the source in Dublin and I, I don't know. Like it's it, maybe maybe it would be a little bit different now. That was several years ago, maybe like 6 years ago, but I don't know. I I still think that for how low of alcohol it is and how much it fills me up. I just don't know if that's what I think of beer as serving. I guess I don't think of beer as being a meal for me. I would prefer to have something a little more drinkable, I guess you could say, but I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I guess I just don't have the palate for the stouts to truly appreciate it because I know that Guinness is pretty much everyone that I know that likes stouts say that Guinness is one of the best stouts in their, uh, in their opinion. So yeah, for sure. And I think one of the reasons for that is even though you're saying it's heavy, like for stouts, Guinness is not very heavy. Um, True. so like you, I can have a couple Guinnesses and n yeah, not feel like I just ate an entire meal. Um, whereas some of the other heavier ones you can I feel like Guinness for me might be like a, like a holiday beer where I'm yeah. only like, I'll have like a couple of them with food, but I don't know if I could if, if I could handle like more than one of them if I'm all I'm doing is drinking Guinness. Okay. It's also a time of year thing, kind of like you were saying, like a holiday beer. Like I don't really like gravitate towards stouts when it's a hundred degrees out. Um I would reach for something a little lighter. Uh, but then in the winter, you know, stouts are all the rage. One thing we've been well, I, we haven't talked about this recently, I don't think, but one of the ideas that we had for a beer mile was to do a stout beer mile and do like Guinness. So I guess drinking four of them, what do you think that Guinness, uh, ABV aside, because technically it's not 5%, but who cares? It, it still would be really hard. Yeah, it's a Guinness. Uh, it's a Guinness. So do you think that you could do a beer mile with Guinness and how, how would that go? Could you get four, four Guinnesses down in one sitting? So the... All, another problem with it is most of the bottles are less than 12 ounces. Um, so that would be another issue you'd run into. Um, but just ignoring like the legalities, the ABV, all that stuff. I mean, you, I'm sure I could, well, I don't know if I could do it. People could do it. Um, I, I bet I could. Yeah. I bet I could do it. I'll just be confident. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done a beer mile before? Uh, it's been a while, but yeah. Okay. And what's, what's the, let's, let's get some numbers out here. What scoreboard, what, what's the PB that you have, or have you ever done one like seriously, not just for, for fun? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like competitive. Um, it was, it was a few years ago. Um, so I think I could run a little faster now, but it's like five fifteen. Um, Oh damn. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Willie's wow. going to the, uh, American beer mile team. <laughs> yeah. Wh why, why are you not, uh, trying to get on this USA beer mile team? We could really use you. We've lost a couple of guys that are kind of getting out of it. So I mean that five fifteen is probably plenty good to be top five, honestly, for our, for our team and make the world team. All right. I mean, I'm, so I'm planning on doing one for my bachelor's bachelor party in September. Um, so I'll, I'll make sure to film it and, uh, send it to you guys and we'll see what kind of shape I'm in like more recently. I have like, 
uh, like you guys always say, like drink water out of beer bottles, like after a run or something. I've tried that and it's gone pretty well. Like I've got my chugging time down to like six ish seconds. Um, pretty optimal. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to go well. I'll let you know. Yeah. That'll be awesome. The, uh, that's good timing for world champs in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, October 23rd is the actual championship. So if you do well in September, yeah, make sure you get that on video. The race directors will gladly have you join, uh, the USA team. If you can run low fives or well, sub five for sure, obviously. But if you, even if you're low fives, like five ten, something like that, I think, I think they would love to have you at the world championship race. We'll put yeah, it that nice, way. Nice little trip to Manchester. Oh, That's yeah. right. That'd be sick. All right. I will, I will definitely do that. hundred percent. That's going to happen. Awesome, man. USA. We're round, rounding out this team. We got a gosh, what is it now? This will be, we got a, this will be our fifth year winning in a row as a country, if we can do it. And w- without new people like you, we, I don't know if our, our odds are very good right now because a couple of our, couple of our veterans are falling off. The, it's kind of scary right now. Veterans are falling off a little bit. Oh, I think, okay. <laughs> well, they're, they're getting, I guess they're getting back on the wagon. They're not quite falling off the wagon. They're they're going sober. (laughs) Life is getting in the way uh, a little bit. Well, yeah, everyone's a little bit different reasons. You got, you got, uh, one I'll, uh, Garrett Colin, I'll name him because he uh, is works for Lockheed Martin and they, he just put a satellite in space. So he has a very good reason for why he's been putting running on the back burner. He's been working like hundred hour weeks to get his satellite up. So he has, he has a very good reason, but yeah, some others on the team maybe just haven't been working out as much as they should. And maybe a little bit too much of the beverage and imbibing. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it though, right? I it think, is maybe yeah it's, it's some of the training i think <laughs> yeah it is yeah I mean, if you go to a beer mile world championship and you can't show up for the after party because you're like too hammered then that's like it's not the performance obviously but you want to you want to give team usa like a good name yeah yeah you got to keep the street cred up too yeah. speaking of which the um <laughs> totally random but the uh did you guys see the quote from the moroccan steeplechaser uh when he <laughs> yes <laughs> when he dropped out of the 15 that was awesome yeah i respect good that for him goals i i completely goal. respect that maybe we should we talked about this a little bit before we started recording but maybe we should give the listeners a little context for why we're hitting on the beer so hard with you so could you could you tell the listeners what you studied uh in in undergrad in undergrad and as well as your masters and how that relates to beer so that they get a sense of you know the credibility here this isn't like we're we're googling and we're getting our source here isn't uh you know beergenius.com it's not anything like that like this is a legit source white papers all sorts of good things so <laughs> give our people the the background of why we should be trusting you <laughs> yeah uh Probably should have done this earlier in the podcast, but yeah, let's do it. Um, so my undergrad was just a biology degree, so nothing nothing too fancy there. Um, but I did my master's in chemistry, uh, and my thesis was about basically about um, how to finding a way to measure the specific amount of hops you need uh, to get a specific level of bitterness um, in the finished product. Basically, like. Master brewers kind of intuitively know how to do it because they've been doing it for so long. Um, but having like 
a specific formula um, and a way to mathematically kind of just plan it out would be good for people who are kind of newer to the brewing process or just learning or just figuring it out. Um, so the research I was doing was basically on hops and how the, the reaction that makes the beer bitter, essentially. Um, so I was doing all of my research like in a lab, not on actual beer, uh, just on like hops themselves. Um, so I didn't quite get to like the brewing process, like doing it and, and measuring it in beer. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of the context. Um, and I wrote my, uh, master's thesis about that. So did you ever get like you and, uh, so did you do this project alone or was it like a group of students writing? the pieces together it was just me and my professor so did you ever get approached by like a brewing company that was like hey we want you to like continue doing this research and we'll pay you for it unfortunately no um i got somebody like a couple people have messaged me on linkedin just randomly like one was like last year and i graduated in 2017 um just messaging me about like my research and asking me a couple questions and stuff which was pretty cool I feel like this is kind of similar to, uh, I don't know if you see, they like throw out some like Ivy league name where they're like, Oh, three, three female graduates from MIT developed this app that will tell you like what wine to buy based on your, the, the tastes that you like. Um, like, I think it's like, Oh, do you like Hershey's chocolate? And it'll say you should buy this type of wine. I feel like there's definitely money for that type of venture. Yeah, there probably is. Um, I just haven't run into it myself yet. Is are there any ambitions to I guess either one do a do a PhD and explore this further or two uh, I don't know open your own brewery or brew your own beer or maybe you already have bro- brewed your own beer at home I, I don't know I guess maybe that's part of the question too but it, are you going to take this any further? Yeah, I'd like to uh, brew my own beer eventually. Um, I haven't done it at home. Uh, I've, I tried making wine once, uh, but I made it a little too strong and it was just kind of like liquor and tasted terrible. Um, (laughs) so I, I would need, need a little bit of practice for sure. Um, but yeah, I, when I was doing my research, kind of like my next step was definitely not to get a PhD, but to, to move into like brewing industry. Yeah. And what's a, what's a seed round investment look like for you? What do you, what do you need to get the home set up so that you can start experimenting with making a beer mile specific beer? Ooh, um, probably not very much. I, I don't know numbers, but that could be doable. I mean, yeah. We just need a small batch. We just need uh, enough beers. So say there's five guys on team USA, four beers a piece and maybe, maybe for the race, I guess. And then maybe four practice beers each as well. So yeah, we're just, we're just looking at, uh, you know, just needing a few gallons of this thing and it'll be our, our secret sauce to continue the streak of winning world titles. <laughs> I would definitely need some practice first. Um, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't want it like ending up 20% ABV on that. <laughs> Well, I don't think anyone would feel that during the race, at least. But yeah, right afterwards, it might get a little dicey. I don't know. You might have have trouble walking back to your uh, like condo or Airbnb or wherever. (laughs) Yeah. After party completely just missed and total total party fail for sure. But hey, if we win, if we win the race, that's all that really matters, I guess. Right. 
I guess. I don't know if that's true or not. I guess all, all the fun of the <laughs> all the fun of the Beer Mile World Championship is the the post race celebrations with everyone from all the different countries. So sim- similar to I'm sure a lot of what you have seen in the past, uh, competing your days in college and post collegiate. Uh, all the runners, even though you're competitors during the race, people come together afterwards and are having a great time. So I don't know. I think that's what that's that's the main thing that makes it super exciting and fun and and probably. I don't know. The camaraderie is probably part of what makes professional running uh, really fun and worth it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, after, after like at the trials, um, definitely had more fun after my race than uh, before. So <laughs> I would, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. So going, going into the trials then, uh, right now you said that you are struggling through some Achilles injuries, uh, hopefully on the men now starting to get back into things, but prior to the trials, were you feeling pretty healthy and confident or I guess, where were you at, you know, mentally and physically heading into running the 5k at the U S Olympic trials? My injury kind of flared up, uh, I think it was about two weeks before the trials. So going into the trials, I was not in good health or good, like mental space. Um, I did like a tune up race in, uh, Nashville at music city, um, that I didn't finish. Uh, so that was kind of, it was kind of a bad buildup. Um, well, not necessarily, it, it was good buildup, but the last two weeks there, uh, were just kind of like everything kind of fell apart. Um, And yeah, so like my 2020 season was really good. Um, came off a PR PRs in basically every event mile 1500, uh, well not mile, but 1500, 3k and 5k. Um, and then just kind of couldn't get it going in 2021. Um, this year, actually my best, my best kind of performances were pacing. Um, so I paced, uh, some Virginia tech runners, uh, to, for a mile. And I paced, uh, like 1500 meters of it, uh, and got five guys under four for the first time. Um, and then two other guys ran like, or one other guy ran 357. So there were like six guys total, one under four. Um, and I let them through basically the whole thing. Uh, so and that was really cool. That Craig was- angles before, uh, Craig angles, <laughs> you mean, you mean yeah. Craig, wait, Craig angles or Craig Nowak? No, no, no. Craig did the, um, Craig Ingalls did the, uh, was the, was it the mustache mile where he paced people oh, for the first time? Got, gotcha. Gotcha. But, gotcha. I mean, I, I, for some, either one is I, applicable. Yeah. I, I thought you were talking about pace pirate Craig Nowak for a second there. Okay. No, Wait, speaking, my of, speaking of PBR shout out. Um, that's, that's a sick kit he got from, from them. Very yeah. Hard. I sent him a message on Instagram. So, so did I. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, uh, after, after that, I also paced, uh, like Paul Chalima's group, the American distance project to like a 5k where Emmanuel Bohr ran the second fastest indoor 5k by an American. Um, so those were both really cool, but then my own races just never really panned out. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how my season went. <laughs> do you, so do you think the difference was like partially mentally and physically, or was it mostly like trying to nurse your Achilles slash, like make sure you weren't overdoing it for eventually the trials. Definitely the, the latter there, um, trying to make sure I wasn't overdoing it, which I think I did a little bit, which led to the Achilles issue. Um, and then just trying to 
get it healed in time. And Achilles just take a long time to heal. So I just kind of ran out of time and I wasn't going to not run at the trials. Um, like I qualified, I really wanted to go. So I was like, screw it. Uh, I'm going to see what happens. Like maybe it'll hold up, maybe something special will happen like Hayward field magic, whatever. Um, but yeah, just wasn't in the cards, but it was, it was still a lot of fun. Really glad I went. Um, so yeah, overall a good experience. How was the, uh, I think it was 110 degrees when you raced the 5k. How is, how is that like both nursing an Achilles and like <laughs> dealing with 110 degree weather? What was yeah, the was, experience like? It just felt like the whole world was like, you're, you suck. Like, don't <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're wrecked. Um, but it was, it was, it wasn't that bad. Um, I kind of knew going into it, my fitness was okay, but you, you can't run on a messed up Achilles, um, unfortunately. So I kind of knew like I was in a compromised state, I guess. Um, so I knew it was a long shot, kind of treated it that way, um, mentally and was just, so I kind of already started to accept that it wasn't going to go well. So when it didn't, it wasn't a huge deal. Yeah. You got to give it a go. I mean, it's once every four, whatever, three years, four years, five years, depending on, depending on the year, but depending on on the pandemic and what the status is currently, but you got to give it a go. So prop props to you for that. Going back though, to the pacing, I I wanted to ask more about what it was like to pace the, uh, I guess WCAP team. Uh, so, uh, born Chalimo, like what, what was that like? And then also, pretty sure in that race as well, didn't you stick in and also finish the race after you were done pacing them? So you let them go on, you're already going out kind of balls of the wall, and then you're still going to finish the race and put up a solid time on the board. So yeah, go, tell us a little bit more about what that vibe was like. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was super like low key. Um, we were let into the facility like an hour before the race. Um, so we just like got in, did the race, got out in and, in and out done. Um, so it was kind of weird. There's obviously no spectators or anything. This was in like February. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there were a, a lot of guys in the race. Um, but it was just set up for like Bohr and Chalimo to, to try to break the American record. Um, so we went out at, or I went through three K at 1258 pace, which, ended up being my second fastest three K ever. <laughs> so <laughs> I went through basically on PR pace, which was seven forty seven, Uh, and then, yeah, I tried to finish, uh, but at that point I was kind of like toasted. And so I, I, when I, when I moved out to let like Bohr and Chalimo go by, I didn't really realize there was a little bit of a gap between the two. Um, so I didn't want to get in anybody's way. So I just kind of jogged around the turn and that just kind of completely took me out of like the, um, like a competitive mindset at all. I was just kind of like waiting for Paul who eventually yeah. like, caught up and ran like 13, 12. So if I had stuck on him, that would have been sweet. Um, but yeah, so at that point I was just kind of like, let me see what I can do. Um, I'm already here. Like, 3k into a 5k at way faster than I've ever run before. You know, maybe I can muster something the last mile and 
run a fast time, um, but it hurt a lot. So I was not able to run super fast. I ended up running 1330 something, um, which is a very big drop off from 1258. That's, that's so, fairly close to your PR, right? Uh, my outdoor PR, yeah, uh, is 1329. But my indoor, my like overall 5K PR is 1317. So gotcha, gotcha. That would have been pretty funny if you broke your outdoor PR <laughs> running at that pace. Yeah, that it's. I do not recommend that way to run a five k. Yeah, not not the ideal way. It kind of reminds me of when people when they when the meet. I don't know whatever you call them the the event staff whoever when they ring the bell too early and people think like when there's two laps to go people think there's one lap to go they start kicking and they run like a 55 or 52 or whatever on the penultimate lap and then hit the ultimate lap and realize oh crap there wait there was actually one more lap and they're just absolutely just lactic like can't move they're running like like a 70 or an 80 whatever it is it, it that feeling looks absolutely terrible and you tried to hold that for like 2k more basically so that's yeah that's that's a pretty big effort for sure yeah and that's pretty much what it felt like too um i felt surprisingly good for most of the 3k while i was pacing it um but then like the last two laps so last like 400 or so started to get a little tough um and then yeah i definitely was not in a good spot that last two <laughs> were, were those guys uh, like before the race i guess how much did you talk to them and go over strategy or whatever it was i'm just curious how like i don't know specific they were were they like this lap needs to be this exact pace and this and this and this or was it a lot more laid back than that and it was really just hey you know what to do get us through 3k on roughly this pace and we'll be good to go I, I, i'm just curious what the behind the scenes of it uh is in a situation like that where they're really trying to hit a record so it is you know kind of it's very specific there's a specific goal in mind and were, were they taking it like super seriously and wanted it to be like down to the second or was it a little bit more laid back than that i was surprisingly laid back um so i mostly just talked to their coach about it like in the days leading up um so i was basically all they wanted was for me to go through 3k between 748 and 750 um and so I, I went through it like 747.9. So it was just about perfect. But um, so they didn't rely only on me. Um, we had one of the other, actually Bernard Keeter, who just ran, right. uh, who's an Olympian, made the final in the steeple. Popped off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crazy good runner. Uh, he took us out for the first mile. Um, and then I took over after that. Um, and we had pacing lights as well. Um, so it was pretty easy to just kind of lock into Bernard did a great job for the first mile. And then I had the pacing lights. Um, so it was kind of laid back going into it, but laid back because there was plans around everything. So they didn't really need to like micromanage me because there were so many like safeguards basically. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So what do you think your, your future is in pacing then? What, I, I hearing a little bit from Craig Nowak when we've talked to him, there's definitely, you know, a business in or, you know, earning money as a pacer. And if you're really good at it, there is definitely money out there. And so is that something that you foresee mixing in with your own racing in the future, continuing to, I guess, seek out pace jobs or take pace jobs or yeah. What, what, what is the business of pacing look like? 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go as hard as Craig is at it, um, but I could I could see myself jumping in and helping pace uh, here and there, uh, kind of when I'm not racing. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's really cool to be a part of like other people's good performances. Um, it's just a really like it's really fulfilling, if nothing else, um, just to see other people do well and help them in that uh, aspect. Yeah you think or does it at all like play into your own fitness or like workout sessions where do you like ever think back on like pacing jobs where you're like oh i came out in 3k this fast and like i could probably do x when you're either in a race of your own or like in a workout does that ever come into play definitely yeah uh i mean just in in that 5k going out that fast for 3k and not like i didn't handled the last 2k well but i didn't completely die i still finished and ran a somewhat respectable time um so yeah that mentally was like okay i'm in pretty good shape go out that fast and hang on so being able to do that definitely going into my own races it's like okay if i go out 10 seconds slower for 3k i can hold on way better and actually kick and compete and and really run well so yeah it definitely helps from a mental aspect and i mean running a 740 something 3k is never a bad workout <laughs> like it definitely True. helps build fitness too as long as you recover afterwards so looking forward then in the running career, you're with the district track club um, and, and you've relocated to, to train with the team. So what, what does that setup look like for you going forward and what are some of the key targets? I mean, I, I think that's kind of a, a very vague question because obviously you want to keep getting faster. You want to compete at world championships, you know, make make U.S. teams, so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, what's your what's your training setup look like with the crew there? Um you know, in the, in the future. And then what are some of the, some of the big goals that you have big ambitions? Yeah. Um, so with the team, most of the other guys on the district track club team are 800 runners. Um, so I don't link up with them too much. Um, I am kind of, now that I'm in the area, I am kind of looking forward to getting my ass kicked in some speed workouts and, uh, helping them with some, some longer sessions. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, when we link up for that. Uh, but yeah, still a lot as of right now, um, a lot of the training is going to be kind of on my own. Um, just kind of doing workouts, long runs, easy runs, all that stuff by myself. Um, and then I'll link up with the rest of the team occasionally. Um, but yeah, as far as like goals, you, you pretty much said it exactly. I'm trying to run a little bit faster, uh, get my 5k down to like Olympic standard, uh, sort of range 13, 10 to 13, 13. Um, and then see if I can make, uh, the world championships next year. And it's, I mean, there's a team every year to make, so it's going to be a lot of opportunities. Um, so hopefully I can take advantage of some of them at least. Definitely. Are you, would you consider yourself more of a guy that likes to race often or are you someone who likes to really key on like the peak races each year and, kind of put all of your eggs in one basket, kind of like the, the focus on the championship races, Bowerman track club style versus the, I, I don't know, maybe the, the Craig Nowak race every single week style. Uh, where, where do you put yourself on that spectrum? I definitely like to race. Uh, I like to okay. race pretty often. So, um, I'm not too afraid of it. I 
usually am pretty resilient in terms of I don't get injured that often. Um, obviously, this year's <laughs> the exception. <laughs> uh, so bad timing. But yeah, I like to race a lot. Um, so I don't race every weekend. Obviously, no one can really maintain that for too long. Um, but like when I was running really fast in 2020, my indoor season, I raced every week or paced uh, like seven weeks in a row. Um, so it's not, I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. Do you think like looking back on 2020, you have your build up towards the Olympic trials, which are then canceled and pushed back? Do you think like was your injury in any way related to like feeling off and kind of needing to like extend your training to 2021? How did you approach um, like the Olympic trials and the Olympics obviously being pushed down the road? Yeah, um, I definitely do think that played a part of it because um, I I backed off a little bit in my training, but I was still I still basically was training at a really high level from late 2019 all the way through early 2021. I didn't really take a break um, because I just my running is a way of like coping with stress for me. Um, so when everything shut down, everything was, you know, going crazy, um, running was kind of an escape for me. So I, I wanted to keep training really hard, um, just to, to stay sane really. Um, which in terms of like my running longevity, I probably should have taken a break and it would have set me up better for 2021. Um, but we're here now. So Oh, well, <laughs> exactly. Life fitness is always getting built regardless. So it'll, it'll pay off at some point. And, and honestly, yeah, similar boat, I would say where once the pandemic started and like nothing is open, there's really nothing to do. It's like, I have plenty of time to go run. Like I literally have no excuse right now to not be running a lot of miles. So yeah, totally, totally in sync with that. And the, and the stress relief too. That's, that goes without saying. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my like, right right when the pandemic really started to hit hard, um, and everything was shut down, I started doing like my long runs just got longer and longer and longer. Uh, so yeah. It's like, Oh man, you mean I can be out of the house for two hours straight? Sweet. <laughs> Not just doom scrolling. <laughs> Sick. Do, do you think the 5k will be your main event going forward? Or do you see yourself jumping around to anything else? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think the 5k is my best event. Um, I like the mile and the 1500, uh, not a huge fan of the 10k, uh, but that that's probably one of my better events as well. Um, but definitely 5k is my best event. Got it. Yeah. If more yep. people watched the 10k, do you think it would be more enjoyable or is it just a straight up suffer fest? No, it just sucks. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> You're running so hard for so long. Um, it just does not. It's not fun. I don't. Uh, I, I wish there was a way to like illustrate how much it sucked and like make it more informative or relatable to watch. Because like looking at the the numbers and like being a runner, you're like, there's no way like I could run a two k at this pace if you're like an average Joe like me. Um, but yeah, I, I wish there was a, a way for people to relate in terms of suffering, how, how bad the 10 K actually is. Cause then I think more people would watch it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely hard to just explain it without experiencing it. It's something 
yeah, you just have to do, I imagine similar to the marathon, but haven't gotten into that by myself. Yeah. Everyone on their couch at home is like, wow, they're just jogging. Like, this is so boring. They're just jogging. It's like, you realize they're running like in the fours per mile pace, right? Like that's a, uh, that's not jogging. Uh, but yeah, there's no way, there's no way to make people relate to that. Cause nobody, like the average person hasn't felt that level of pain or run at that pace for, you know, X number of meters. So it is very hard to relate. They did have a, um, I think at one of the major marathon expos, they had like a, some belt. It wasn't like a treadmill. It was a big ass, like sidewalk looking thing where they would run it at the world record pace and people would like fall off of it, which I thought was (laughs) a good way to relate. So maybe like at track meets, they need a treadmill just like right next to the start finish line that uh it's it's running at world record pace yeah for sure i like that just like see how fast or how far you can run at like 28 minute 10k pace and yeah. people will be like feeling like they're absolutely sprinting i guarantee it like if we need to construct a, a track and field facility that has that and then you can like you can sell tickets or give discounts based on how far people make it into the 10k oh yeah well, then you also need to put that treadmill inside of a sauna because in Eugene and in Tokyo, it's like a hundred plus degrees. So I think you need to True. add that layer on top of it. Yeah, we'll get an infrared sauna uh, airlifted in. Perfect. Well, infrared's too easy, man. That's dry heat. We need we need the humid, just like crazy. True. True. <laughs> I will say though, when it goes well, like it, it's a really cool feeling to like have a kick at the end of a 10k so um i the few 10ks i've run where i'm like running well um it is a pretty cool event so i i understand why people like it it's just when it goes bad it you're just stuck out there for so long (laughs) yeah i kind of feel similar to like having never run a marathon i feel like marathons are much more like it just like depends on the day if you get to do well and then 10ks it depends on the day if you're going to do amazing. Like everyone can run a kind of mediocre 10 K. Um, mm-hmm. But when you pop off, it's like actually a pop off and the marathon's like, you need like so many factors to go well for you. Whereas the 10 K it's like, you can, there's some level of like, not luck, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's, it's much easier as a fan to like relate to as opposed to like a marathon where you're like, well, maybe in like 13 miles, we'll figure out if it's going to be a good race or not. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that actually is a good way to look at it because the there are I mean, if you think about like a marathon as it's approaching, like even if you're just like slightly sick, that's enough to like be several percent difference over the course of a race or whatever it is. Um, but but I would say the one thing about a marathon that is nice, at least, is when you're having a bad day. I guess not always, but if you're say, say you're running Chicago marathon or something and you're having a bad day, at least it's like scenic. You're not like someone isn't watching you on the track for like 12 laps, getting lapped or getting just dropped. You're like, you're definitely more in the spotlight. I'd say on a, on the track, like doing a 10 K or something like that. Whereas in the marathon, it's like, whatever, I'm just like going to get soaked up by the rest of the the pack, the crowd and just True. run with them. And at least you have some scenery to look at. I, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to 
trying to make it sound a little less uh, terrible than it is because yeah, when you die in a marathon, it's obviously when you're like, I still have an hour to go and I'm completely toast. I'm screwed. That's, that's not a good feeling to be in, but there, I don't know. It's a little easier to hide. I would say though. I think the funniest thing is in track and field, whenever announcers are talking about the 10 K they're always like, whenever they say a lot can happen, it's always in like a positive term where they're like, Oh yeah. Like the lead packs up there, but like, you know, a lot can happen that maybe so-and-so is going to like catch up to them. And with the marathon, whenever I say like, whenever people say a lot to happen, it's like, Oh, well they might just like get fucking roasted after like 18 miles in, they might die. It is a, it is a big, big differing level of, uh, getting, getting owned for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay. Maybe switching gears a little bit here. We have one listener question. Uh, so, well, it's, I, I don't know if it's a question or a, I guess a command. I don't know what you would say this is, but tell us about the Halloween costume mile at Virginia tech. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the, the twilight mile. Um, every year, uh, Virginia tech does, I mean, it's just, it's just like a a team tradition thing. Um, they do a beer mile and then a costume mile afterwards, um, where they give out like these ridiculous trophies and give, um, give like, uh, awards for like most ridiculous costume shit like that. Um, a lot of people end up like just running in basically naked or completely naked. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's just debauchery basically. <laughs> and does this typically happen like in, in the postseason, like right after everyone's kind of done with the championship route? Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Right after like season's over. So it doesn't, how, how many, like how much downtime is there between the beer mile and the costume mile? And do people do both? People do both. And there is, basically no time between. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting yeah, that, the, that the beer mile is first because then like i feel like that's not an optimal way to do that oh no nothing about it is optimal. that's not the point <laughs> it's not like supposed to be like a high level event it's supposed to just be ridiculous so yeah so what's the i guess did you attend these or or no or is this I, I'm curious, like what the, what, like what, what are the quantity of people there? And then how, how fast are people running this beer mile? Like, is this like a super competitive thing or is it more of a, uh, whatever shits and giggles kind of event? Definitely more of a shits and giggles type of event. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I only went the first year I was there. Um, so I was like technically a volunteer coach. So it was a little weird. Um, but right, it was right. right when I graduated. So, it, you know, I wasn't, it's not like I was older than the fifth years and stuff like that. So it, it wasn't that weird. I don't think I didn't feel that weird, but I felt weird years after. So I, I didn't go. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just small. It's just the team. Like there's no spectators. No one else comes. It's, it's just like guys, guys and girls on the team. Um, usually like the girls would do a beer four by four instead of a full mile. Um, Oh, nice. Yep. We had people do, uh, most of the girls at Iowa state preferred the, like they would do a shot mile, which I think is way worse. Yeah. That sounds awful for like the vomiting factor and being completely plastered afterwards. 
Yeah. yeah. I've seen some of the other girls that Iowa State before your time, Adam, they would do either like a Mike's Hard mile because they thought that, oh, there's no carbonation in Mike's Hard, so I'll drink four of those. But there's like 800 calories of sugar in four Mike's Hards. So that's kind of disgusting. Uh, so that was one. And then I also saw them do the, like they had the single serve wine uh, containers as well. They did four by wine in the single serve. I don't remember what, how many ounces those were. It wasn't like a full glass, but still it was like a, it was a hundred percent guarantee of vomit because you're not, you're not going to drink it, uh. chug a whole bottle of wine in like 10 minutes. Like that's not, that's not the intended purpose. So yeah, you, you miss some even nastier ones, uh, before your time at Iowa state where people thought it would, they legit thought it would be easier than the beer mile. It's like, no, just, just do a light beer. Just do like Bush light or something. Just do something super easy to go down. That's going to be way easier than any of that gross sugary stuff. And not a lot of smart grads from Iowa state. I don't know. That seems pretty stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like with the mics, you would just throw up straight from the sugar, like alcohol aside. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was usually carnage after like two of them. I, I don't think I ever saw anyone finish that because yeah, you, once you chug two, you realize, Oh, I, I feel very sick. So not a, not a great idea at all, but maybe it served its intended purpose of the pregame for the night. Cause usually those took place on like a Friday at 7 PM. So, you know, I, I guess maybe it served that purpose for the night to get you going a little bit. Yeah. So that just reminded me, um, like, Back when I was in college on the old Beer Mile site, uh, which I, I actually just recently went on the new site, which looks great, by the way. Shout out. Um, uh, there are times for the vodka steeplechase, which just yes. blows my freaking mind. That just doesn't make any sense. Do people, is, is that a real thing? Do people do? Uh, do yeah, there's like a ton of variations that people do. And I don't know, like, oof, legally, I don't know if I condone those. I think probably in the future we will as a cash grab. But uh, there's uh, Chris, who's the guy who does the, is it the vodka two mile that he like recently? No, it, it, it's the vodka steeple. So yeah, there's, there's a, he, he, his name's Julian and he's from Germany and he, he went to school. Yeah. He went to school in the NCAA system. I can't remember Shoot, it's, I'm blanking on where he went in the U.S., but from Germany, and he actually competes at the Beer Mile World Championships most years. Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, he he's a steepler too, and he ran like just over 10 minutes for the steeple with like it's like seven or eight shots of liquor. So that's and that's like a level where you are gonna feel. And he said he did. He said he felt like pretty plastered the last few laps because it's all hitting you, and he didn't vomit. <laughs> So yeah, no, that, that vodka steeple that's on there is legit. He that's in impressive. actual steeple barriers. I feel like yeah. that's or, yeah. no, is he just I, doing three K. So I, the, I think the word was he, uh, it was, he didn't have the steeple barriers up because he went to the, this track at like 9 PM. So he put, but they had hurdles there available. So he put the hurdles at the height, did the hurdles. And so on the water pit though, he actually wasn't able to step on the, like he would normally be able to step on the barrier. He actually just had to hurdle into the water. So if anything, it might've made it harder, honestly, uh, not being able to steeple properly, but no, it was, it was, it was legit. The, the video isn't great, but I actually, 
uh, have talked to a couple of the other witnesses that were there live and they said it was absolute madness that he, he like, he absolutely went for it and ran like, honestly, not that far. He was only, I don't even remember like a minute, a minute slower than his actual steeple PR or something like that. It was Dude, very respectable. Nuts. Yeah. Very respectable alone at like 9 PM at night and taking a shot every lap. Pretty respectable. I would say. Yeah. Mad impressive. We've also talked to the one other nutso event that I actually kind of want to try because, like, I'm interested to see how it plays out is the beer half marathon where you do 13 beers over a half marathon. The people that we've talked to said that you like black out at like after beer eight because it's just like a lot, it's like long enough to where the beer is hitting you towards the end. Um, But I I feel like that remains to be seen. I kind of want to try it. I, I do, but it, need, it needs to be on a protected, like, basically we need a one mile block, like in the suburbs with people like that. We know that that's their houses in front of, or like their it's their houses on this block. So that way we can just fall over in the yard and sleep if we need to, or, or whatever it is, because I mean, think about that eight beers. Yeah. So if you're running like six, say you're running six minute miles, even seven minute miles, you're, you're drinking eight beers per hour or, or more like not, maybe even nine to 10 beers per hour. That's a good clip if you're just trying to like pregame. Well, yeah, a power hour. Yeah, power hour is like six to seven beers in an hour. So you're going to try to do like, I mean, if you're going for the record, the record's basically six minute pace. So if you're running six minute pace, you're doing uh, 10 beers in an hour. Uh, not, not the easiest of things I would imagine. And, and each one is like progressively hitting you more and more. So the six minute miles are also getting really tough at the end because you're not, yeah, that's a grind fest. Yeah. So I don't know if I want to do it or not. I, uh, this is up in the air. I might have to put like an Apple air tag in my shoe so that like, if, and when I get lost, people can find me (laughs) when I'm passed out in somebody's yard. (laughs) That that's why it has to be like a, just a like a a perfect square or something around a block, and you need someone on each corner, so you're always in line of sight of somebody. Because I would not trust myself. You got spotters the whole way. Would not trust myself. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the way you got to do it. Do you can you like shotgun the beers, or do you have to chug? You them? have to yes. chug them. But like honestly, I feel like if you're doing a beer half marathon, you should be allowed to shotgun them. I don't. I don't know. Would that be like? easier towards the end when it's getting like when your aerobic capacity is like not not ideal and you're and you're breathing pretty heavy i feel like shotgunning is harder to regulate the flow than just chugging i guess i just was thinking like it's it's less time that you're not breathing mm-hmm. true um, so i i would right. imagine maybe mentally if you can master the shotgun yeah. then it's ideal and- and also when you're at that point and your stomach feels like crap, it's harder. Like if you're chugging for six seconds, it's going to be very hard for you to chug for six seconds. After two seconds, you're going to be like, oh, I can't keep going. Like my, my stomach hurts. First, if you shotgun and you just get it all down in one go, it probably would be a lot easier. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it would be yeah equally hard kind of regardless as, as long as there's carbonation in the beer. Like the only way that it would be easier is if you like poured it out into a pint glass or something so that there's less carbonation i'd say that would be cheating but i don't know if you're putting down 13 beers regardless i props to you or maybe not props to you maybe uh bad on you for trying something like that yeah maybe there's a phone number you should call um i think totally random but i think my ideal situation is to find a mile loop around the boston marathon course when all what's the all women's college there 
Oh, that they're on like mile. I know what you're talking about. Where they where they mile, stand they out 20? there and yeah, and you can like get a kiss from them. Uh, yeah, so if they're, one if they're kiss and one one kiss and one beer a mile. That that ought to get you the world record for it. Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't know well, how many kisses you would get after like beer six. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to qualify for Boston first there, Adam. Just uh, jump in the gun a little bit here. Or are you just saying just show up there and do it it, uh, off the record, basically? Show up. Well, it has to be off the record. I wouldn't waste a a Boston entry on doing a beer at I was picturing you on the course, like using the crowd as like, or using the actual race as your pump up. Yeah. But you're, you're just saying do it in that similar atmosphere, but off to the side of the race as by that college. Okay. Okay. Well, there, there you go, man. If you want to go do it, I'll, I'll be, I'll bike next to you. I'll film you. I'll hand you beers, whatever you want to do. I'll be there for it. That'd be fun. We'll do it. Should we move into, uh, our closing questions? Yeah, let's do it. And I think maybe right before we do that, I I think you're drinking a beer, Willie. Are you drinking a beer? Uh, no, it's just a seltzer. Uh, okay, well let's let's rate it anyway. Let's let's do a little Ooh, a little beer rating here. <laughs> That's okay. I literally have like five seltzers on my desk from uh, from work today. The non-alcoholic ones, the like the yeah, you know what yeah, signature yeah. select is. Oh, yeah. Um, got all these seltzer i've got all the seltzers got them all so what what one do you have willie and how does it rate to the other uh, seltzers out is, there it is a polar pomegranate seltzer um non-alcoholic i guess just to to be clear um it's you know it's all right uh let's see uh i i really like this flavor um so on taste we'll go with taste first um i'll give it I'll give it like a seven. Um, it's, it's pretty good. Not my favorite. Um, but I like it quite a lot, uh, especially in the summer, nice summer flavor. Um, yeah. drinkability. It's very carbonated. Um, so, it, you know, that that's kind of a knock on it, I guess. Um, but you know, compared to all seltzers, I guess, uh, they're all super carbonated. So that's not right. a huge deal. Um, so I feel like seltzer are all about the same in terms of drinkability. So I don't know if that's, I don't know how to rate that. Do I just give it a five? Cause it's the same as all the other ones or, or a 10. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? What? That's a, that's a great point. If it's, if there's no deviation, is it just a five across the board? Are they all tens? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. You you make the scale. Like give it give us the scale that we should be using here. <laughs> Sorry, I almost like ripped my face off trying to bite that bottle. Cap. I saw that. Oh, that, that was that would be a hilarious YouTube clip. Yeah. Just I'll grab bleeding it. uncontrolled. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess uh so since it's more or less the same as every other seltzer in terms of drinkability, I'll just go five, you know, right in the middle. Um X factor, uh, David Melly really likes this brand. So, um, he's, he's a big, big fan of polar seltzer, I believe. So that would be my X factor there. There we I go. I stopped liking the How seltzers with, uh, sugar in them. I used to really like that one. Oh, what is it? It's like some Italian sounding one, like San Pellegrino, I think. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. But they put a lot of sugar in theirs and kind of makes me, a little stick now. So 
stay away from the sugars. I didn't know they put sugar in that. That's I, I didn't know that either. There's probably different variations. I don't I'm know. Sure. Oh, not, add not add like a, the big, not the big green one. Uh, they have like oh. the cans and those are the ones that they put sugar into. Gotcha. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Didn't know you were such a world traveler. My bad. My bad. Oh, dude. I, I know my seltzer waters for sure. <laughs> I think, I think between Jordan and I, we probably go through like a 12 pack a day. I would say probably. Wow. Or arguably wow. too much. I mean, like, especially before runs, slamming seltzer so, waters isn't great. It's a lot of carbonation on the stomach. Yeah. That, that oh, was yeah. actually, well, you, first of all, you crushed it, Willie. Great, great work on the beer review. <laughs> um, or I, seltzer, whatever. Great work on the yeah. review. Better, better than we would have done. But I, I, people always, well, I shouldn't say people always add, I guess that's the same. People always ask me about that. No, uh, but people, people have brought up like, Oh, would it be easier? And you've actually done this, Adam, would it be easier to do a beer mile, but like with white claw oh, with or white something claw now. and it's harder. It's way more carbonated. Yeah. It, it's like way more likely to throw up. You'd think, Oh, it's water. It'll go down easier, but absolute opposite. It's way taste, too much. Taste wise. If you can like narrow down your beer for a beer mile and the taste doesn't make you nauseous after three of them on your fourth lap, then it's way easier beer mile. Cause like white claws, yeah, they taste really good. But yeah, when I did my, like your stomach physically hurts, like it's not just that you're nauseous. It feels like you're, you like chugged a 40 ounce beer where like your stomach is like, Oh, like I literally have too much gas in my stomach and I'm going to explode. Exactly. Yeah, too much to burp even. Yeah. Ugh. Nasty. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's do our closing questions then, Adam. Do you want to fire, fire one away first? Oh, I want to start off hot with the one that we usually close with, which is if you had one day left to live, what would you do? Um, I feel like everyone says like, just go someplace with family and, you know, just be all together and all that stuff. Um, which is kind of the best answer, which is why everyone always says it. So I'm going to go what's, with what's, yeah. What's like your selfish answer? Um, Ooh, that's a good, good point. Selfish, bad answer um, would be to like, just go somewhere by myself <laughs> um, and just like be away from everyone and just like, I don't know, play guitar, or, like, just watch movies by myself and not not talk to anyone for a day <laughs> and, and have, you, have you ever like done solo travels uh, like outside of running and like traveling to meet people like doing a solo vacation i have not no it's all been i've done a lot of solo traveling for races but yeah just just races solo vacations hit different not gonna lie I believe you it. like, it's, you like it. I, I, I don't know I've, if I, I do really the couple times that I've done stuff solo. I'm like, this is super cool, but there's no <laughs> one here to share this like memory with me. So I, I feel like it's like a little weird in that. Sense. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I would go on. I'm not saying I would go on every vacation solo, but I would say like 10% of vacations. Like if it's just you, it's, uh, and it, it can't be like a week long vacation. It's just like take a long weekend and then it's, oh, okay. it's pretty fun. All right. I can, I can deal with that. Uh, my, my wife has done that like once or twice going up to like New York or something, um, just while I'm at a meet or something and, and she really likes it. So I could, I could, I, I'm sure I could have some fun. 
All right. If you could be a pro in another sport besides running, which sport would it be? Um, something where you don't have to do a lot of training, like, uh, I don't know, like darts, uh, just where yeah, you're darts, not, darts, you gotta just be born with it. Right. Like there's no training for that. These people are fucking drinking beers or like, and like half-assing it. Yeah. Even your training is, is not very physically demanding, right? It's just right. A, a dart repeatedly. Um, so some, yeah, I would, I would say darts just cause it's super easy and maybe they, I don't know how much money they make. That might be a terrible idea. Like, um, in terms of like finances, but yeah, something easy, not where I'm going to get like annihilated in football or something like that. And right. Die. <laughs> uh, my question is pretty arbitrary and one that we haven't asked before. Um, but a lot of people like historically, looking at things like baseball where people used to be like fat as shit. I mean, people are kind of still fat now and they can get away with it, but where do you draw the line at like, what's a sport and what's not like an example is like bowling a sport is golf a sport. What's like your sport that is just sporty enough to be classified as such. I think I'm, I'm not a sport elitist. I think anything like competitive, like esports or a sport, like, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not elitist or like exclusionary there. Um, so anything you want to be a sport is a sport. Fair enough. Or I guess a better way of saying that is you can make a sport out of anything. Like if you're competitive, uh, mm-hmm. and like eat against even just yourself, like competing against previous times like or FKTs. You know, yeah. Whatever you sure. do, it doesn't necessarily have to be it against another person. As long as you're competing somehow, uh, it's a sport and just enjoy yourself. Would you rather compete against, um, like benchmark performances or other people, other people for sure. Um, it's, I find it more fun that way. Um, so I would, I would go other people. All right. How about let's do, give us some, I don't know, either artists, musicians, or just genres of music that you're vibing with most. <laughs> um, I listen to a lot of like emo and like pop punk oh, yeah. stuff like you're, that. You're in, you're in good hands right now. <laughs> uh, I always end up going back to Blink-182 though. Uh, So they're always good. Uh, The front bottoms are great. Um, Elliot Smith is a little more on the indie side, but he's really good. Um, Yeah. And if you do end up going to the Beer Mile Championship and end up at the after party, after a few beers, I might have to do my Blink-182 impression. (laughs) My, my twin and I have been known to get hammered in parties and, and do that. Do you just like do an imitation of Tom's voice or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Usually like in a, like if we're in an Uber and I'm sure like, that's probably why my Uber star rating is pretty fucking low because yeah. they're seeing Blink-182 in the backseat. <laughs> like in the basement. That's yeah, really yeah. terrible. <laughs> I don't even think I've heard you do that, to be honest. It's usually, well, is it when you're with Eric? Is that, yeah, is it like to get, okay. So yeah. there haven't been enough opportunities yet. Okay. Yeah. Typically it's like been guaranteed, um, the day before, is it the day before or day after Thanksgiving? That's, oh, it's blackout 
Wednesday, Wednesday, Black Friday. So that Wednesday every year is a lock for me singing Blink-182 in a non-sober state. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, My next question is, out of the places you've traveled and lived, which one is your favorite? Um, the, my favorite place I've traveled to is Germany. Um, I went there in high school and it was a lot of fun. Um, saw like all the major cities. Um, and it was just, it was my first experience out of the country. Um, and it was, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. I would definitely go back, um, anytime. Uh, favorite place I've lived um, is Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is where I went to college at Eastern Michigan. It's a, like it's a smaller city, um, but it's really close to Ann Arbor, um, not too far from like Detroit. Uh, so it's 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 a smaller town. So, you know, you kind of like have all those small town college sort of stuff going on um but then if you want to get to like a a bigger city with more like diverse food and all that stuff it's not that far away either so definitely ipsy michigan as a whole i feel like is like part of the midwest i would i would say the most underrated state in the midwest yeah michigan's got a lot of stuff going for it like and it's it's basically like multiple different states within itself like right the, the major like detroit area is like its own separate thing and then there's northern michigan western michigan like the up uh mackinac island like there's all kinds of cool stuff. yeah like if you want to feel like you're in bumfuck wisconsin or minnesota and you want it to be like super cold but there's also like a bunch of summer homes like right along the lake and like not super far from Chicago. I don't know why everybody goes to Wisconsin. Although I don't know why I'm like revealing my secret vacation place <laughs> to the entire podcast. <laughs> it's a big secret, man. You just let it out. Everyone's going to be know. there. There won't be any places left to stay. I would love to get a joint Airbnb for everyone. We didn't name any specific towns, so we should be good. <laughs> Keep those hidden. Keep them True. under the wraps. True. All right, let's go with some some favorite food here. Okay. Um, so I'm vegetarian, uh, so mostly plants. Um, my favorite is probably uh, chickpea curry. It's like chana masala. Uh, it's super, oh, nice. super good. Um, really easy to make uh, and just like, if you go out and get it at a restaurant, it's really solid, like always. Um, cause it's chicken tikka masala is like a really, really super common basic Indian food. Um, and it's basically just the, the chickpea version of that. So it's always pretty good. Do you prefer the, um, like, so there's the pearl couscous and then it's just like regular couscous that it's like the really, really tiny grain ones. Which one do you prefer? Um, I'm not huge into couscous, uh, but I like the, the smaller ones better. I like quinoa oh, more. Bad. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. I was going to say bad answer. It's like, I'm a pearl guy. Maybe, maybe I need to, like I Dude, said, I'm not super huge into couscous. Maybe I need to try the, the bigger ones. And the, the, oh, the pearls is basically like a, a different food to eat than 
mm-hmm. than the small ones. Um, it's kind of like tofu where it just like soaks up the taste of and like the flavor of what you're eating it with. And it's okay. super filling. All right. Yeah. I'll have to give that more of a try then. Oh man, it's my turn. And I was just distracted, Chris. You might have to pick this yeah, one up. I, I got another one. I got another one. Let's oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it's hard to pick a favorite all time, but maybe something, a TV show or a movie that you're currently watching or recently, you know, favorite of your recent watching history. Favorite recent. Um, Pose is really good. It was, I, I guess it's, a, maybe like a year or two old now. Um, it's about like drag queens in the, I don't even know, or something like that. Um, it's really good. It's a lot of fun, um, but has like some serious points too, um, talking about like the HIV AIDS epidemic. Um, so it gets a little serious, but it has a lot of fun as well. So I definitely liked that one. I've seen I've that pop up one on left. So Chris, oh, so Chris, you're, you're probably yeah, closing you, after this one. Okay, okay. Well, man, put the pressure on. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, go go for it. I, I mean, you're you're a closer. You're a closer. Okay. okay. Uh, my last question is: What is your like guilty pleasure movie that like is objectively a shitty movie or like TV series that you've watched before that? you will like secretly watch and not tell anybody because you're kind of embarrassed. Um, I, it might be like a little controversial to call it shitty. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say Rick and Morty. I don't really like to admit that I watch that, but I do. Yeah. Rick being a Rick and Morty fan is like, it's not great. Like you kind of feel a little dirty after saying you watch Rick and Morty because you're like, Oh, I'm not like a teenage incel. Uh, but like they do it is kind of funny every now and then Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's uh yeah i don't know we don't need to we don't need to dive down the rabbit hole i don't know if that's an objectively bad show i think i think a lot of people like it you know i think it's a i I think it's pretty well well um i think the emphasis is more on the secret part of it because i also don't like being like oh i'm a rick and morty fan because their their fan base is super weird and will like <laughs> i don't know what it is about the fan base where they like take themselves too seriously and i'm like no no, no. i think the show is like I, I think it's funny but like i'm not an elitist rick and morty like fucking i don't know it's, it's yeah. a weird fan base yeah like you don't have like people think you have to have like this huge iq to enjoy the show and it's mostly it's- like yeah it's, like, shut the, yeah, it's like, shut the fuck up. A fifth grader could join this. No way. Like, yeah, like you're not smart because you understand the jokes. They're like fart jokes. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I, that's why I would say it's like a guilty pleasure. But that's yeah. also uh, to your point, Chris. That's why I said it was like kind of controversial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people wouldn't consider it an objectively bad show. Right. Right. Makes sense. All right. To close this out, then final question. I had to dig into the archives in this one. I was scrolling back on our Google doc to way back when, when this used to be on our closing questions. I don't think we've asked quite, uh, haven't asked it recently, but it also made me think of it because we talked about the Olympic trials a little bit. So the question is what's the best 
party you've ever been to? It could be like a post-race party. Uh, so like after the U S Olympic trials, was that the best post-race party you've ever been to? Was there another one? And it could be for any reason, you know, whether you had a good race or whether it was just the, the scenery or the, you know, the setting of it, the, the scene, what's the best party you've ever been to? Um, so I'll go, I'll go with a, a much longer ago one. Um, the trials was great, but that's, there's like that recency bias. Um, so I'll, I'll go with one that was a while ago. It was the, my freshman year of college, um, after we won our cross country conference, we just had this huge party. Um, and it was like my first huge college party. Um, and like just my first introduction to that whole, like the whole like party idea of a giant phenomenon. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll go with that one. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a college party, like, you know, it, exactly. wasn't, it probably wasn't all that great, um, but it was my first one. And we were like super stoked to win our conference title. It was like the fourth or fifth in a row. Um, so it was like, it was, it was kind of a big deal. It was, it was a lot of fun. For sure. Oh, and, fun. and some, I was go just going to say something about the shared, like the shared, uh, you're, you're celebrating something that you're sharing with a lot of other people. Whereas I'm sure in professional running, at least it, that's a lot less common. Like the U.S. Olympic trials, like people are either there because there's, 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 there's three, there's three happy people. people. And <laughs> yeah. <of> sad people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and you're not like t- necessarily teammates, you know, with, with you, you do have some teammates, but you're not teammates with the broader uh, group of people that are celebrating necessarily. So it's just a little bit different where that, that team camaraderie and sharing that experience is something even more to celebrate than maybe you get in a professional set, setting where it is a lot more individualized. For sure. Yeah. That, that team aspect is probably a big part of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any, to close out, I guess any, any words of wisdom or anything since you, since you have listened to the podcast before, maybe, you've thought about the dumb things that Adam and I say, and you're like, wow, I would, I would have said it completely differently. Uh, do, do you have anything here to close out with? Um, you know, I, so I, I knew you were going to ask this. So I was like, Oh, I should think of something like clever or cool to say. And then I totally forgot and did not do that. <laughs> um, so words of wisdom are plan ahead. <laughs> um, there it is. I, I'm, that. <laughs> a lot of people could use that advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I could too. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's objectively good advice. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, Willie, when you need some investment to start that home brewery and then eventually scale that into the next Anheuser-Busch, just let us know. We'll be there for the ride. And thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been fun to talk to you. Best wishes in your training going forward. And yeah, we'll see you at the Beer Mile World Championship once you crush that Beer Mile in September. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, see you out there. A-T-Y-H-I. And there you have it. A-T-Y-H-Y. Dude, I think I did that right. That's pretty impressive. You think we would have it memorized by now, but... <laughs> for as much as we say it, yeah. Still have to think about it every time. Uh, Willie Fink... We're going to have to have a follow-up with him after he makes this U.S. beer mile team and competes at the World Championships. I think it's only natural. And also, I thought of like five other beer questions I should have asked him while we had him on. And so I think I need I know, to follow I need up to start writing those. I need to start writing those down. Um, 
He like answered these long-standing questions that I have from years ago that I'm just like I don't know enough beer people to ask them. Because it's um, not like you couldn't you couldn't Google them or anything, you know. That'd be you too hard. Could, but I like I like hearing it from somebody who like can go deeper than Google, you know, and can yeah. actually explain uh, concepts to somebody of my like you know intellectual quality or lack thereof. Yeah, take that master's level chemistry and bring it down to the first grade level. Yeah, give me a first grade reading level. All right, so let's do a couple beer reviews here. We got only new beers here on the Beer Mile Podcast. Beer reviews that you've never heard of before, you've never seen before. Adam, what are you drinking? All right, so, you know, Chris is on this fucking sabbatical. He gets to have a lot of fun, right? He's he's in Colorado, my favorite state. Um, and I, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm in my in-laws basement. I'm just hanging, just chilling. So what I thought, how could I get Chris back for like having so much fun? And today I am going to do a beer review of one of Chris's favorite beers. It is the Sophie. Oh, that is one of my favorite beers, man. They do not sell that where I am at currently. So that is a little sad that you didn't let me join in on the Sophie review with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I could have, but, you know, I was just like the malicious heart inside of me. <laughs> I think that's that's cruel and unusual punishment, I would say, that I don't get to have the Sophie. <laughs> that's fair. We, we'll, have to, we'll have to celebrate when you're back and among the, among the working people. I know. It's going to be a hard transition, but maybe if I have enough Sophies, the transition won't be so bad. Soft, yeah, softened by some Sophies. <laughs> what are you right, drinking a, over there? I'm a... I'm going to give a twofer here. Uh, I bought a sampler pack. It is the Colorado native. It's oh, the I, dude, I have a TV shirt or a TV shirt. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? Um, no, I don't know. Dude. It's, I've been in consistent meetings since 10 a.m. this morning. <laughs> Rolling into this interview or this podcast episode. I have a T-shirt of Colorado native. There we go. Okay. So wait. Where Oh, Golden Colorado is where it's brewed. Mm-hmm. And so I bought the sampler pack. This is actually a sampler pack made for summer and also kind of made for me. So most sampler packs, you have at least one IPA. Sometimes there's like three IPAs of the four beers are sam- mm-hmm. in the sampler, right? This is a sampler pack, 12 pack, but there's only three beers in it. But you have a, a session lager. You have a Hellas lager. Um, and then the other one was a mountain lager. So just straight up drinkable beers. And so today during the show, I had one of the, it's called the local, it's the session lager. And then I also had one of the Hellas, uh, which is wildflower honey Hellas. Is that, yeah, is the Hellas their flagship? I think that's actually the, the t-shirt that I have. Okay. Yeah, not to so, influence your not to influence your rating by the fact that I have a t-shirt of it. Nope, not not influencing it in any way. My I am the most I'm a man of integrity. Un- uncorruptible man yes, on the face of the planet. Exactly. My opinions cannot be purchased for any dollar amount. <laughs> Unless you're a sponsor looking to sponsor the Beer Mile podcast. That's true. I, I will say that you have the <laughs> nicest, the nicest anything that you have for the right amount yeah. of money. All right, so I feel like you should go first because we'll do one of yours, one of mine, and then you can cap us off with your second one. Okay, perfect. So the one I'm currently sipping on is the local. 
It's the session logger. 4.1%. Uh, does not say... Does not say what the IBUs are, so I, I can't help you out there, unfortunately. Probably less than 10 would be my bet based on this expert palette that I have here. And on the can, Colorado-ness cranked up to the max, uh, full Colorado-ness. So is that actually a measurement on the can? It is. Yeah. They have, uh, <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Crispness and Colorado-ness. Pretty, I, I, yeah. What do you think that is? Like freshwater-ness? Like, hey, we use our mountain water. It's better than everyone else. That is always the marketing for Colorado in general. It's just, oh, it's fresh stream water, whatever. But Right. Okay, so this thing, very good. Okay, well, not good in the sense of if you're comparing it to like, I don't know, the nicest of beers. But really good compared to other lagers as well as, of course, it's a lager, very drinkable. So we're going to go big on this. I'm going to say, I mean, compared to other lagers, I'm going to go like nine, nine taste, nine drinkability. Go big. Maybe if you compare it to other beers, it's more like maybe like a six on taste. But yeah, nine or ten on drinkability, like slam dunkaroo. And then the X Factor... It's going to be the same for both these beers. The fact that it comes in a sampler that's all drinkable summer beers. That's that's, that's a nice yeah, sampler that slaps. pack. That slaps yep. for sure. Um, all right, let's for my Sophie. So I guess honestly, just based on this podcast alone, this is the sir the third Sophie. <laughs> this is the third Sophie that I've had in this recording. Very drinkable for a six and a half percent beer. I would say, I would I would put it at a nine taste and eight drinkability. It might even be nines for both. It's it's close. Um, I have never drank more than a six pack of it because it's so damn expensive. Yeah. But I would I, I would say X Factor for sure. Goose Island. It's my favorite. Um, which is which is out of Chicago. Um, I don't know. Other than that, like. There's like nothing you can find wrong with this beer, I think. I, you know that I agree with that. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's, I guess that was, a, that was a slam dunk beer review because like who's going to disagree with positive reviews on this podcast? Right. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a souped up blue moon, but like super souped up, you know, because it, it's, yeah, it has they, that little that little hint is, of uh, fruitiness, you know. This is one of those like like really souped up honda civics it's got like the, the what do they call it the v, the v-tech um fucking rim, 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 rim. like this is that but like blue moon that ties it and uh it's yeah the, it's I, got the yeah it's got the lift kit it's got it's the 24 got the inch kit. rims yeah 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 uh <laughs> i i think sophie's a, a great beer i think maybe i wouldn't have it if i'm like trying to drink heavily outside in the sun but like if you're inside, no matter what scenario it is, if you're like just drinking and watching like sports or if you're if you're having a meal, like this is a good beer. It is. The best is when bars, I don't know, they, I guess it doesn't happen very often, but when they have like craft beer, happy hours or whatever it is, and you can actually get Sophie for like $3 a pint or $4 right, yeah, a pint. Regular On the prices. rare occasions. Yeah, rare occasions. But it's a beautiful beer. Okay, I'll go into my other one here then. Uh the wildflower honey Hellas, uh, that's just what it's called. I think. Do you say? Is that how you say it? Hellas? Is that the Hellas, right way to say yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Man, I don't know. Write that right on the on the list for uh, Willie next time. 
Yeah, how how would he pronounce that? Uh, so it's still the Coloradoness maxed out, and then the sweetness scale, I guess, instead of crispness. Uh, honestly, it's now been half of uh, this other beer since I had a sip of it, so I kind of forgot what it tastes like to be honest. But it <laughs> it is it wasn't as wildflower honey y as I thought it would be. It was honestly like uh, kind of like a a lager. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it was good. Oh, like, it, it was fine. I, I know. I know. I mean, it's okay. It's only 3.8%. So it's, it's a very light, light tasting beer. I and... think whenever I hear honey in like either the name description or what have you, I always have like really high expectations for what the taste profile is going to be like. I, like I expect it fully to taste like I've just like, slammed some honey after a long run and like just put it straight into my mouth and it's always way lighter than that it's, it's way yeah it's not enough it, like some beers are too have too many added flavors and i think usually the honey is actually underdone in my opinion for sure yeah yeah so i honestly i don't even know how to rate this thing i mean it's it's similar to this session lager, but for some reason the session lager is hitting a little better today. So I'll give it maybe uh I mean compared to all beers, it's like a, a five or a six on taste. Drinkability, I mean still like a nine on drinkability. It goes down easy, three point eight percent. It's basically a Mickey Ultra at that point. So, so pretty yeah, simple so that, to drink. At that point you're yeah, you're just you're drinking for volume. That's right. So I, I don't know. Overall pretty pleased with the sampler of loggers pretty good i I don't know good good for their marketing team for deciding to put those together in a pack i i appreciate that yeah shout out shout out market research folks all right any words of wisdom or anything to close out here um my words of wisdom is are uh don't install slack on your phone yeah because i get a lot of messages and uh dude after like 5 p.m nah don't respond to them but is it after 5 p.m everywhere no it's not no it's not it's always before 5 p.m somewhere somewhere so you're always working you're always on the clock baby This is pretty good words of wisdom. Uh, I guess stick it on the work. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Uh, My secondary words of wisdom. You know how people say, um, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Yes, I know. Yes, I know that phrase. All right. So, so my take on that is love what you do and you'll be seriously overcommitted and working too much, but also you'll have fun. Oh, okay. But also you'll have fun. Okay. So like sure. I, I think it still applies. I don't know. So do you think that you just love too many things? Or oh, for do you sure. think yeah, that, for sure. Okay. I think that like I, I think that's a yeah. That's a common like problem. I don't um like between work work and beer mile, like both of the I guess that's more on like the like the software side of things. Um but I very much enjoy it, but I literally do not have the energy nor time to do both at like an absolute savage rate you know like i can't like ship beer coin in a day and a half yeah 
I, I think we have some software developer listeners out there that would understand that that's not something that can be done next week. Hey, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, man, at least at least um, most people in the in the software industry have side projects that never get shipped. So beermodel.com is uh, is a great standout. Is it? It's at least getting shipped, baby. But, yeah, she's live. Hey, I'll, I'll put that shit. On, I'll put that shit on my resume. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when when do we start plugging on the resume or on or when do we put on LinkedIn? Or is that not honestly allowed soon, until we're? Oh, honestly no, soon. Honestly soon because a lot of people. Okay, if you're listening this far into the podcast and you're in the software world and you're looking for a job or if you're not and you are just interested about like what I do for work work I mean you can ask Chris for what he does for work work but like I'm hiring um so yeah like hit me up uh I enjoy my job so come work for me with me not for me so wait which job are we talking about are we talking about we're hiring for beer mile media or we're hiring for my my job uh, job Job, job. Okay, yeah. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna say the name of the company. You got to look on LinkedIn. But yeah. But, but I would say. But I would say yeah. most. So most. Not most of the people. Um, like my. So I've been working at this new gig for. This is my third week. And. I would say, thirty-five percent of the people there know about the podcast. How did when you were getting interviewed, did they like just Google you and find it or how, how do they know? Did you tell um, them? It mostly came up in one-on-ones and other, yeah, some people, some people like sent me DMs of like this, you question mark. And I was like, oof, uh, <laughs> schedule quick sync. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just something that I've become like very comfortable about. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like, uh, especially when I'm submitting for PTO, I'm like, oh no, like this isn't like the, tri- like the, the casual or, um, I would say typical for me, like family health issue PTO. This is like me going somewhere for fun to do beer mile stuff. And then that kind of devolves into me talking about the beer mile to like my colleagues, but I would say all in all, they Everyone, everyone at Jesus, <laughs> some Sophie kickback. I would say everyone kind of is like hype about like the people I've explained it to are like, oh, that sounds like really fun. And I'm like, yeah, but like it's it's like a little bit degenerate. So like maybe don't tell like everyone at the company. <laughs> we do have the press release out there with our names in it, so maybe. Oh, it's I mean that's getting... like if you Google if you Google my name, it's on the first page. I know. I actually just Googled just beer mile and the press release is on the first page now. So we, we got it in some big sources. Uh, yeah. I, you know, we'll, we'll think about it, you know, think about when it's the right time to, to put that on the old LinkedIn there. Dude, I would say fuck it. When beer coin is live, put, put that shit on LinkedIn. Okay. I think that's a fair, a fair uh, launch date to put it on there. Just slide. Like, well, I mean, you can just you didn't just add it, so you can add the experience. But like, check the box that says like, don't network. publish it. Yeah. So then it's just only people come to your profile. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, wow, I didn't yeah. even know that. There it is. I mean, I mean, also like for our industry, it's like, oh, you like implemented uh, not like a cryptocurrency, but like a digital currency. Like, oh, that's like, I mean, any experience is experience, right? Yeah. Uh, 
especially in your world, especially for software developers, I think like any, any project, like everyone has their own hobbies or whatever they're, I guess they're, they're weird, like rabbit holes that they'll go down for their side projects. So it's like, I don't know. It's kind of expected that it's going to be, Oh, that's going to be niche. Like I'm not going to understand it, but Hey, they still built this thing and put it out there. So that's pretty cool. Right. It still is a, it still is a net positive. True. Yeah. I don't even remember what my words of wisdom were now. It was something related to work. Oh, that's what it was. You said, don't put Slack on your phone. Mine was, uh, don't, when you're on leave of absence, don't check your email. I don't know. Maybe do check your email because it's nice to, I did. And so we have performance reviews in August and like the (laughs) deadline to submit performance reviews is August 24th. And so now I had to email my boss and be like, well, do I have to do it or no? Or like, I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. So yeah, that was that similar, similar vein of uh, not checking work when you're not supposed to be checking work. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, that that's the big takeaway. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a fucking sweet car. Thanks all for tuning in to the Beer Mile podcast. We got some more good episodes coming up for you. Hope you're enjoying the Olympics. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll recap the Olympics at some point here in the next week or two, but I don't know. I mean, people are watching it. They probably don't need us to necessarily talk about it, but we'll we'll include it somewhere. We got a lot of good guests lined up too. I'm pretty stoked for the next uh, few weeks that we have coming. Yeah, busy, busy schedule. That's for sure. And make sure you take care of your balls. Manscaped.com, beer mile, discount code, 20% off free shipping. Bye.